the main event today is going to be the the, the latest of, of Keith's relaunches, I guess. The lamestream media's latest failing attempt to resuscitate the dying leadership of Sir Keith Rodney the Sad Donkey Starmer QC. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't like the name Rodney, we've learned. That's... That's an obvious false flag, though, isn't it? You know, oh, uh, are, are there any names, Sir Sir Kia, that, that that you don't like being called? I hear you don't like being called Rodney. Yes, I really hate being called Rodney. Please don't call me Rodney. Yeah, that, that, that they're that... just trying to divert us to something that annoys him a bit less than getting called Keith. I was so upset listening to that one episode of Real Politic <laughs> called Rodney the Sad Donkey. It cut me to the bone. Yeah, because you'd very rarely see. A- anyone call him Rodney apart from us that one time it like we've not even made it stick like I've not I've not even like run the joke into the ground really I've maybe brought it back a couple of times when the occasion befits it but yeah no I mean I think you're not even the funniest right-wing rodders that there is on Twitter friend of the show <laughs> mutual. I mean, I say mutual. I can't remember if I actually followed him back, but shout out to, <laughs> to Rodders if he's listening. Opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives, I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised that is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent whatsoever. We know who the hard left are, who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were right in right wing. The hard left agenda, printing money, nationalisation without compensation, sort of hard left wing position, hard left, the 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 hard left, Talking, of course, today about Sir Keir Starmer's appearance on Piers Morgan's Life Stories on ITV, which is a sort of set piece, 45 minute interview. Apparently, the whole thing was like three hours, which imagine how like, fucking excruciating that was. Being that's like the length of a Grateful Dead show, <laughs> like three hours and no drum space. <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> like, just it, this was, I mean, was all the substantial political stuff in the two hours and 15 minutes that didn't make the cut? I mean, yeah, there, there was a good hour and a half of just like hard policy that they, they just uh, <laughs> the hated ITV cruelly, yeah, cut against Keir's wishes. Yeah, all his many policies uh, and yes. his, his values that those closest <laughs> to him struggle to name. I mean, are you a fan, Garine, of Piers Morgan's life stories? <laughs> Have you watched this show before? I don't think, I think I caught about 10 minutes of it once when it started a few years ago and I had to turn off because I just hate, viscerally hate Piers Morgan. Well, obviously, yeah, right. he's a massive asshole, and the format is terrible too. It's the most, like, lightweight, like, fluffy, fucking soft soap, puff piece shit imaginable. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's like a, a sort of caricature ITV's current affairs programming of it being like it's it's terrible. Man. Yeah, yeah, like but, Peston's fucking show, which is just like absolute dog shit for footballers. Obviously, several cameos on this fucking piece of shit. Oh but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I want to sort of tell a defining Piers Morgan story because like everyone hates him and yeah. everyone has their own reason for hating him, and the main ones that come up are like. He's really obnoxious, the phone hacking thing, him sort of becoming one of the most prominent Iraq war critics and torpedoing the whole thing by falling falling for uh, sort of doctored photos and things like that. Oh, yeah. But the, um, the thing I think that just speaks volumes about his character and, and both tells you a lot about the British press and uh, the, the state of the British media that someone like him can try and rehabilitate himself as like a cuddly daytime TV guy. He came up through like the Sun's entertainment showbiz desk and you're thinking like, oh, that's one of the least harmful things you can do at the Sun, I suppose, if you're just doing celebrity gossip. But um, Not at the Sun. <laughs> like, they're the fucking sun. evil. Genuinely not at the Sun. They're, 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 they're proper evil, but like, there, there might be that perception for a few people. Obviously, the Sun is... Uh, a sister paper of the Times, both both owned by by Rupert Murdoch, but uh, we we hear constantly that they're completely separate enterprises. No, <laughs> Q, they own the media. No that's who that song was about. If we have time, that's we'll get to a spectator piece on that subject. Definitely, who that song is about. Yeah, but like <laughs> obviously they're completely separate. Oh, one one's a respectable broadsheet. The singer uh, Holly Johnson, uh, best known for like Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Relax and Two Tribes and all that. He was an out gay man in the 80s when that wasn't really something the tabloids liked, shall we say, uh, up until well into the early mid-90s. And he had been HIV positive at this stage, I think. And he, he decided that he was going to like give an interview to talk about it, to try and sort of destigmatize the condition and so on. And he and his people sort of negotiated and they managed to get an agreement with the Times that they'd do this interview with the Times and the Times would cover oh, it sensitively. Oh, the Times, in their, famous. In their lifestyle. No, the Times... Their- Treatment, their, their delicate and, and factually yeah. accurate treatment of the AIDS crisis. Yeah, well, exactly. But this, this was after Andrew Neil's time there, I believe. Um, okay, the, fact, new, the me... new times, new, new Labour, new uh, times. Did, by the time this happened, it was like 1990, early, early 90s, I think. It was after the absolute worst of what the times was doing and that, sort of towards the end of the really bad era when the tabloids were just like openly daily homophobic. But um, so he gives this interview and talks about it and what it means for him and then how he feels about it and so on. And it was going to be in their sort of lifestyle supplement where it's well away from, like, the headbanger comment writers, which has probably been a constant thing. Except before that was scheduled to, like, drop, I think it was maybe, it might have been the Sunday times he'd done it for, you know, the, the big weekend supplement and all this. Uh, a day or two before that, suddenly the, the sun was splashing on it and it was like, you know, weird gay pop star has AIDS and all, you know, like, the, the absolute nightmare sensationalist uh two-footed character assassination because the guy's got an illness basically turned out that that um sort of transcript of the interview and the, the tapes of the interview had suddenly somehow found their way from times offices to sun offices in the same building and um found their way onto the desk of, of one piers morgan who decided to run just a pure homophobic attack on the guy you know, it speaks to the kind of diversity of the Murdoch press, you know, in one paper you have the interview, you know, we're going to profile you, we're going to be sensitive, we're going to 
treat the issue with the seriousness befitting it. And the other is just like the sun. They're just like, <laughs> you know, that, that's it's the paper with the right wingers who happily invite uh, gay people to their dinner parties uh, versus the the paper full of right wingers who wouldn't invite them to their dinner parties. That's the, the substantive difference between the times and the sun. I think this was good for Morgan's career, you know, that that. That was something for his portfolio that helped his meteoric rise to, to becoming an editor when he was still very young. A sort of, like, real... Just a scoop, you know? And, and almost, like, he's had so many comebacks at this point, despite, like, the other day, it feels like, getting booted off uh, Good Morning Britain for uh, being racist, basically. Like, yeah. Of course, his, his latest grift, literally about two days before this aired, is he's basically doing the exact same shit games at Meghan Markle every few days uh, against uh, Naomi Osaka, the, um, the the female tennis player, because she's she's depressed. I hadn't been following that, but he's nonetheless kind of still, despite all these tribulations he's had to endure as a consequence of his own ridiculous actions, like recently with Good Morning Britain, he's still this kind of flagship figure. We mentioned, like... The Sunday Times, you know, well, like this kind oh, of. The, you know, these are all career decisions, you know. One, he's one gone of, in on wokery and so on. It's, yeah, it's the latest grift. He's one of Britain's flagship broadcasters, much like, as we mentioned, the Sunday Times and their handling of the AIDS crisis. Andrew Neil, just somebody who just just seems to like survive anything because I guess there's just something rotten at the core of this fucking country and and its press but anyway yeah that's a bit on Piers <laughs> I think with Andrew Neil we know exactly what's rotten at the core there uh, there's a there's a, <laughs> a book the that pictures. famously documents it. yeah we've seen him in, in the swimsuit we know all about Andrew Neil yeah but uh, I would say that probably the first actual times I remember hearing about Piers Morgan there's a couple of things firstly it was you know you'd see have I got news for you on TV and I had a sort of interest in comedy and you know I, I didn't have such discerning taste back then so you know read about Ian Hislop and you know learn you know maybe pick up a couple of copies of Private Eye and learn that Ian Hislop always referred to Piers Morgan as Piers Moron and then, of course, there was the occasion which another luminary of British broadcasting, Amazon's Jeremy Clarkson, punched uh, Piers Morgan, which, you know, remains to this day uh, one of the few excusable things that he's done in his life. But Critical support for Mr. Quadruple Denim. Yeah, I would say that the only time that I've actually watched this current Morgan joint life stories would be when he had mickey rourke on and I, <laughs> which, mickey rourke has had a fascinating life story yeah. this was yeah, from around the time of the wrestler his big comeback yeah. uh they yeah. talked a lot very like, lot of very the I film think, itself was quite analogous to his, his own career as well you know yeah a lot of kind of quite mean questions just like so yeah you know you obviously aren't as good looking as you used to be are you mickey like <laughs> you, you regret all the plastic surgery you've had i don't know it was like there was a lot of stuff like that and also just this like tedious hand wringing about his support for the ira in the 80s <laughs> 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 they, they got on all these fucking nerds to just be like yeah well i think 
think that uh, it was a case of a Hollywood actor weighing in on something that he, wa he wasn't sufficiently educated in. Uh, I myself uh, fully appraised of the facts, which is why I attend the Orange Parade every fucking year. That episode did not leave me with uh, an urge to watch more Piers Morgan's life stories. It was literally because YouTube just threw it up. Just it kind of, I was susceptible. I was like, I kind of want to learn a bit about Mickey Rourke. Uh, and one of the things that struck me watching Piers Morgan's life stories featuring Keir Starmer was that there was this strange orangey hue to both of them. Bizarre fucking lighting to the extent that Mickey Rourke actually looked more normal in his episode than either <laughs> of them did in this one. <laughs> the, the editing of it was bizarre. It was very, very fast-paced and uh, just not giving anything any time whatsoever because uh, the amount of, like, pointless video packages they had in as well although i think they've they've used the video packages to sort of subtly spin it against starmer in in, in some ways which is <laughs> tom newton done provide both quite funny but also not funny given the way they've done it um <laughs> you know you'll ask starmer quite a, a detailed question be it personal be it political whatever and starmer will, for a lot apart from a couple of his like heartbreaking personal anecdotes He'd give a bit of an answer. He'd give like the first part of an answer, have a bit of a joke about it, and then they'd, they'd cut away, like at the point you'd expect, right? And here's a substantial answer, you know. <laughs> and they'd cut, right? Here's another completely unrelated question as well, you know. He'd tell a story about something difficult in his personal life, and then they'll cut straight away to like, oh, labour shit now, isn't it? Or he'll be talking about some of his early political activism or what have you and then they'll they'll cut away to like uh you know oh, your dog died didn't it wasn't it was you know just bizarre like all <laughs> over the shop <laughs> sorry sorry not to not to laugh at the death of the dog but <laughs> i know i feel like there could be a whole like genre of starmer dog truther uh, ism <laughs> to, yes. to, uh, like that maybe some of us could get into over the coming days of his leadership you know I don't want to um... I mean, it's almost <laughs> inevitable we'll see that play out on the timeline in the next week or so uh, I don't want to overestimate uh, how <laughs> the shit posters are hogs gonna stay in post they're hog hogs and dogs uh, never mind uh, let's leave it uh, it was <laughs> The dog, something, something, dog Ian Austin disposing of evidence. The substance of the show, obviously, yeah, it was so fastly cut. So, like, bish, bash, bosh. It reminded me of, like, when we were recording all these, like, three-hour episodes, like, a couple of years ago, and I was, like, just literally not letting anyone, like, breathe in the edit. Because I was just <laughs> trying to compress it all so much so that it was, like, slightly less to something someone might actually want to listen to all the way through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Alex, <laughs> Nunn's, Alex Nunn's messaged me afterwards like, yeah, I enjoyed it, but I don't remember speaking that quickly. <laughs> he, he did his episode. We mentioned briefly the, the sort of video packages there, but it's quite revealing that the people they've got on because like 
they got a couple of people just sort of from his life you know they obviously had his his wife there like in the studio with him his his good friend carolyn harris who he forced to resign recently (laughs) they had the disgraced carolyn harris talking absolute shit yeah yeah who who certain westminster insiders are saying did not in fact as the starmer team briefed spread scurrilous rumors about angela rayner but was made to take the fall uh that could be bullshit though she could well have done it i don't know I mean, she's got a history of that sort of stuff so it's like even if she didn't it's going to be easy to make a stick on her um, yeah i i wouldn't you know i wouldn't pass put it past team starmer i wouldn't put it past no. her but anyway she was on i can't remember when did they i swear they they actually filmed this like fairly recently so I, i'm not sure it was post reshuffle wasn't it because this was it is about like, a fortnight ago or something i'm just thinking from when we saw it on when well, you know all the, all the trails of it on the timeline you know oh, it recorded <laughs> three hours of, of humanizing beauty and stuff it was definitely post reshuffle because like we said yeah. this is like the lamestream media throwing him a bone or throwing oh. him a life raft yeah. you know just like here you go Kia come on do this and his desperate team are just like oh okay anything. anything yeah exactly and there's but, some uh, there's some other shit that he's doing yeah. as well that's similar something he's going on I can't remember what exactly but Carolyn Harris did get one absolute belter of a line in saying it can't have been easy for Kia being the only man in the leadership context. Hashtag men's rights. Thank you <laughs> Carolyn. Dudes rock and it's good that someone Isn't it is about saying time it. Labour elected a man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt represented uh, when she said that. As I did when Sir Keir Starmer ran for leader who I voted for. No, I did not vote <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That would be like the ultimate he- he- uh, heel turn if I was like, the reason, but I dislike him so much is that I voted for him and I'm, I feel cheated. No, I was not. I, I did like, not get got by the Starmer con. But if any of you did, you know, we may we may rib you a bit, but, uh, but, but you know, come on board. If you say enough terrible things about him, then I will forgive you. Um, but <laughs> the main two political experts they kept going back to in the, the uh, video packages and comment bits and stuff like that as well. Giant. It was one. Robert Peston, oh yeah, he is like ITV's flagship guy. So you can see like why that happened. Fucking idiot, cretin. He he is basically, (laughs) he's basically just a fucking idiot. You know, terrible fucking new haircut. He's like a guarantee you'll get nothing of substance. And then the other one they used out of all the people they could have chosen. Tom Newton done. Oh well, you know it's good for you know, Labour Labour MPs. You know, like to uh, consort with Tom Tom Newton done these days. Yeah, um, you, you, get you the gotta have the, uh, the fascist opinion represented on your flagship show somewhere. Yeah. Longtime Sun editor, just mm-hmm. for anyone not familiar with him. Uh, not yeah. anymore, but uh, he did in one of I believe the last things he did last major things he did at the sun in 2019 published this kind of like it was like one of the it, you know it was like charlie's wall in that it's always sunny in philadelphia sort of meme where he's got all yeah. the mad shit and it's like a spider diagram and it's got like here's the, 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 the one person pulling the strings and here's the other and it was like that for the left it was like it was no, some right wing cranks publishing a hit list it's yeah it and was. It, it was sourced like basically it first appeared on like a neo-nazi website yeah. <laughs> so, oh yeah that, that, it was they tried to push it every six months or so for about two years yeah as an anti-corbin corbin's web of influence sort of thing and and look that's like one of many terrible things he's done like this guy was like a long time son stalwart like you the know the guy got absolutely hammered in a workplace tribunal for like bullying women in the workplace years and years ago 
I didn't know. He that. would just like steal their work as his own, and uh, you know, properly sort of shout and intimidate them and stuff like that. Uh, he pops up in private eye now and again, just like uh, being abusive to like people in working in the parliamentary canteen for like being too slow serving him his his foie gras or whatever. You know, just an absolute prick of a man. Um, he he long blocked me before the fascist uh, hit list thing on on Twitter just because I kept sort of popping up in his menu with links about like the, the workplace tribunal where <laughs> but there is one more luminary who appears as a talking head and uh, possibly the best we've saved the best for last here Mr is he sir is he he's lord isn't he of course lord lord Kinnock Neil Kinnock the <laughs> former leader of the Labour Party former fucking Brussels bureaucrat general all round piece of shit I mean like Neil Kinnock was just there it's funny isn't it like how he's out there like just supporting the Labour leader in the media after taking any opportunity to just shit on the last one because I guess his he felt mm. his legacy was was threatened uh, if a project of modernizing the party in a leftward direction succeeded um that might you know maybe make some people think that he didn't need to make the party strip away everything the party stood for so much back when he was leader but anyway neil kinnock's here he doesn't uh, look well does he death's fucking door i mean like jesus christ man i, <laughs> uh, I wish neil a speedy recovery yeah for sure that definitely was um not one of uh hang on, i'm trying to think how i can say this with sufficient irony and like plausible deniability um well anyway i, ha- I have a theory so but, you know neil kennock's voice yeah we saw him in the labor the summer that changed everything documentary with his son stephen a few years ago for 2017 he was uh you know he seemed quite sprightly he was in full voice you know so what is he said well we had all those uh common sense labor policies when he was trying to like wonder why corbyn hadn't like just destroyed the party as he'd expected and then i don't my theory is that by now he's like modernizing project like it started in 2016 when he did that speech to the parliamentary labor party where he was just screaming at the top of his voice the trots, the trots, and stamping his feet and all the people were just in 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 the audience they were not like this old man requires help. Let's get him a cup of Horlicks and put him to bed. <laughs> they were like stamping their feet as well. Like this is incredible. I feel like it, it is the eighties right now. Uh, God knows why you'd want you'd want to be a Labour politician in the eighties, but all these people fucking live to cosplay as one. Um, anyway, so Neil Kinnock actually was a Labour politician in the eighties, and yeah, my theory is he just uh, he he destroyed himself with that i won't say powerful but but you know unhinged spittle flecked 10 minute or so oratory to the parliamentary labor party in 2016 and it has all been downhill i don't know if there's much to say about him other than that because he he didn't say much of uh, interest no, it's just the usual shit um yeah nothing nothing of substance 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Neil Kinnock would be like a Kissinger type. We'll see him like looking even more like r- diminished uh, in a couple of years, but uh, he'll still be there like accepting yeah. the opportunity to like stick it to the trots on TV. You'll um, notice though, like we'll, we'll come to it later, but like Morgan and uh, the, the program in general avoided what we would probably see and what increasingly it looks like the electorate see as like the faults with, with Starmer, you know. What are your policies? Why are you focusing obsessively on punching left and, and so on and so forth? Um, it avoided them, but like with the the video package about his work at Director of Public Prosecutions, which probably made sense to do a video package on, you know, because do two people know what that involves and so on, made absolute certain to both link him to like the spy cops thing, but also to to Jimmy Savile. Yeah, yeah I was I laughed so that. much now when that, when Jimmy Savile appeared. That's what you get when you when you've got was well, one of your main political voices on the show as as Tom Newton Dunn. Yeah, it was like literally a sun spread, wasn't it? Yeah. It was just like a big picture of Jimmy Savile in the middle of just like did the director of public prosecutions let nonces off the hook <laughs> like yeah that the labor rights still don't see that this is gonna be laugh. the main attack line for keir starmer if he's ever in charge for a general election like <laughs> they don't see it coming it's gonna be that and even more so it's gonna be war boys um uh, you know well that's probably when, where they're, when they're trying to overcompensate leader. so they're just like we're gonna like put pedos in prison for life or whatever they're like really getting (laughs) i think it's fair to say labor did not um they didn't not just just like not get on board with uh abolish the police or prisons or whatever which is to be expected but they they were not influenced in the slightest by those ideas and so they're i think they're trying to counteract this like uh starmer wants to let the likes of savile fucking run the country um, but like, when, but just when like Starmer... we're, we're going to put people in prison forever. Yeah. We're going to keep their corpses in prison indefinitely, just piling yeah. and up. We're going to charge the their families for the privilege. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, um, when when Summer first became leader, and um, you know his his personal polling was quite good, and there were also a lot of people that didn't really know him, didn't really have an opinion on him. You know, when when there's a blank slate and there's a chance to give a positive impression of yourself. You know, anecdotally, there was a lot going round on like WhatsApp and things like that going viral. That was specifically, you know, the 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 attack line of the the far right against him. You know, the sort of labor or all cultural Marxist sort of nonsense. The attack line against Starmer that they were really focusing on was his links to Savile, his links to to various other uh, celebrity uh, celebrity nonces and murderers, basically. You know, this was spreading like wildfire, and this was a lot of people's first impressions of the man. You know, that that died down a little bit, I guess, when COVID started uh, dominating the, the the news cycle. But we're, we're eighteen months on, and I don't think his office have any sort of strategy to deal with that at all. And it is going to be a big thing if he ever reaches an election. Like they're they're just going to absolutely slaughter him. They've got in in tabloidies some of the best attack lines they've ever had on any political candidate ever in terms of will they play with their leadership yeah um, i mean in, in addition starmer's just, just like i feel pride in my country as if that's going to balance it out in addition saying, to like, just I, like I, I like the flag every <laughs> fucking thing about him and the party at the moment just literally projecting for want of a better word like london metropolitan elite 
like liberally yeah. even like you know it's just it, it, it's like the selection in Batlian Spen of uh Joe Cox's mm. sister Kim Ledbetter not to be confused with Huddy Leadbelly Ledbetter the influential <laughs> blues artist Jack, I don't uh, think anyone's but- confusing them well speak for yourself but you know she's sort of like obviously the sister of a a well-known person who died tragically you know her background is all just like classic like worked a bit as a journalist like ran the uh joe cox you know more in common whatever ngo is there a foundation that's a different thing to the more in common ngo there's a lot of anyway the point is that an NGO background (laughs) and um, and and and, you know uh, so just like all those things combined plus you know not even a Labour member in the Corbyn years saw no like radical potential in uh, a genuine challenge to neoliberalism joined the party like a month ago she's not going to be she's not going to be as toxic to their chances inherently as like uh, Saudi Paul was uh, oh no of course so he was a uniquely terrible candidate and I think she is from Batley and Spen that's something else going for her that Paul didn't have at least within like Walking distance of it also makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's always yeah. we're always playing but, with the boundaries a bit, MPs, in terms uh, of saying where they're from. You know, where they represent yeah, the, the two of them combined, the two by elections combined. You can't really get a sort of clearer picture of like basically extremely uh, centralized power in the party to within yeah. like, a few people, basically hand picking. Uh, the, the candidates and like no we know we know better than the locals and so on maybe maybe in this one they, they would have selected her anyway but she was the choice of the leadership list. she was but absolutely I, it was i bet it was a short list of just like they're like look so those people are on the list yeah. but they're not really on the list <laughs> you ultimately know? If, if, if your party is like right it's starmer and david evans and a couple of his closest advisors making all the decisions uh, without uh, consulting with, with, with members, with local parties, with anything like that, you better fucking get it right. Because yeah. you, if you don't, you're not only going to lose, you're going to lose in a way that specifically makes you look much more out of touch than if you'd stayed out of it completely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But in addition to this image, which, you know, is is going to be a sore spot for them, like that Starmer both projects himself consummately and uh, that the party is projecting in a major yeah. way at the moment. The other thing, you know, that links the selection of Kim Ledbetter and Batley and Spen and Starmer in this interview is just all that they've fucking got left in the tank at the moment is just this like mawkish appeal to sentimentality uh yeah. you know emotional manipulation effectively there's there's so much in this stuff just about all the like tragic shit in kia's life and it's like y- you get any person <laughs> up there and they have tragic shit that they can talk about especially someone who like Starmer is like 60 years old you're gonna have <laughs> witnessed a lot of suffering in 60 yeah. years I'm sorry I'm not that's not a, a callous comment about him being old or whatever obviously I'm a strong yeah. supporter of Jeremy Corbyn who's older but like you know anyone who is gonna you know you can literally just probe into so like what members of your family have died and that you're gonna get some sob stories and I think th- th- yeah the, the thing with the the, the sort of sad anecdotes, if you like, is that 
they were potentially quite relatable and he wasn't really doing much to to actually drive home why that's important to him as a politician. Uh, it was very much oh, this this sad thing happened, you know, um, I basically had to, to watch my mum slowly die. I was distant from my father. I had this tragedy happened to me and so on and these are things that a lot of the people watching will have either had happened to them or had happened to one of their friends or a distant family member or something and at no point is he like and you know this is what's inspired me to to get into politics to try and change and provide extra support and so on it's just uh this happened to me. It was sad. I'm sad, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's like, and it's, I, I learned a valuable yeah. lesson from this, which is that uh, 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 people should stop being mean to me and bad things yeah. should stop happening to me because I, I don't like yeah. it. Ultimately, like, people even who aren't politically political but are maybe watching that will be like, but you are the leader of the Labour Party. What would you actually be doing about these issues, you know? People aren't as stupid as Keir Starmer and, and uh, his cheerleaders think they are. Uh, and the, the fact that they think they are comes across aggressively in like the entire sort of public-facing Labour presentation at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got one joke, but just reading it back, I'm like, I probably shouldn't make that because it's, uh, making, it's making a dumb classic rock pun about Still's disease, which I'm sure is a very, a very serious condition. But if you're <laughs> yeah, probably don't if, do that. If you're familiar with with Stephen Stills, then you can like <laughs> you can like DIY like build your own joke uh, out of like the components there, knowing elements of his personality. But um, <laughs> yes, so let's talk about the reaction to this because like for me, this fucking shit was like the most unpleasant like 45 minutes of television I've ever seen like it was like watching you know some if somebody awkward. took bits of a genuinely brilliant masterful film Pasolini's Salo took them completely out of context just got the bits <laughs> where people are eating shit and slowed them down and zoomed in on the shit going into their mouths and like for, stretched it to 45 minutes Salo the shit cut like that was what this was like for me but all the people in the british press are saying oh it's fantastic he came across as a bloody great bloke like obviously the the edict has gone down from on high you gotta yeah. call him a bloke he's the a, instant he... the the instant reaction was, was quite interesting obviously the mirror are probably the most sympathetic tabloid to to labor and to and to piers morgan sort of possibly <laughs> Maybe not anymore. It's probably cost yeah. him a hell of a lot in legal fees. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Uh, but yeah, relative. he's been, he's yeah. he's worked for like every fucking place in the country. Yeah, I, I have a relative who actually uh, worked for some time in the Mirror Group's legal department, um, <laughs> and uh, I don't think they like Piers Morgan much at all. <laughs> all right, um, but yeah, you know, they're, they're the ones you'd think that would be a real sort of can't miss, right? You know. We're trying to connect with people who aren't super political. That would be the paper most likely to give us a good hearing based off something like this. Within minutes of the programme finishing, they're obviously waiting for it to have actually broadcast. Their headline scoop of it was, Kia Starmer's home burnt down with dog inside while dad was dying in hospital. 
that was the takeaway, you know? Um, Very, yeah, quite tragic comic when you put it like that. Yeah, yeah. Makes um, him sound with, very with, hard with a done by... Of, with a photo of him looking sheepish attached to the tweet, <laughs> like, in case you thought they were doing it sympathetically. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the reaction sense, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, Um there's uh, an Evening Standard article come out today. Oh, with, yeah. Uh, long-term friend of the show, Aisha Hazarika. Um, <laughs> the titled, Starmer's Piers Morgan interview showed him as warm, open, and decent. Uh, and the, the pull quote from it is, uh, if last night's aim was to show people that the Labour leader is a decent, normal bloke who loved Blow his mum. Bloke on. Little, who loved, yeah. it, loved his mum, loves his wife, and really loves football. Job done. <laughs> yeah, but basically, I tuned that shit out to be honest. But yeah, basically, they've finally got their parallel timeline where Owen Smith won. Very <laughs> normal bloke loves 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 sport and and tea and beer and 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 uh, and that's what people like, isn't it? Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, um, that, that was so loads of stuff in, fact, in in loads of fucking stuff in the interview about his rock solid marriage with his wife. They brought her yeah. out. There was like, actually, if anything, we've got closer. It's like, yeah, okay. I didn't see Jenny Chapman interviewed uh, by the way in the Talking Heads. Uh, I guess, I guess she was busy. That's why they had to be like, Carolyn, sorry, I know we sacked you yesterday, but can you come back? <laughs> it's probably. Like, I'm not going to dwell on it too much because I know that, as well as maybe some of our listeners, also yourself, uh, don't follow or care about football at all. But obviously, they they kept playing up that he loves football. Um, not so much in this case that he's like an Arsenal fan, but like. You know, he loves playing football, you know, and some of the childhood photos they'd found of him or him as a teenager were like him in what looked like a school football team sort of thing and all this, you know. But he loves football, this guy. Um, oh, yeah. But like the thing is, as uh, a fairly obsessive football fan, um, obviously quite a, quite a lot of left Twitter are as well, um, like Starmer doesn't come across as one like looking at that sort of stuff there and some of the things people say about him the fact that he bothers to play every week like even with the job he's got now he probably does really like football right but he comes across like sort of you know, David Cameron and Tony Blair types who have been like, oh, yes, I bloody love the football, me. Uh, go go with the England, uh, you know, really obvious sort of... basically um, <laughs> focus grouped. I am a normal person. Swing it doesn't convince anyone. Maybe he's just uh, he a puts piss out the sort of tweets that, yeah. So even, like, even when he believes something, he he can't communicate it to anyone. It seems insincere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there was like, there was a series of fast show sketches where. Um, like an Arsenal fan, but he was like a new football fan who just got into football because it was trendy now, and he didn't have a. He was sort of going to the games and, and didn't have a clue and was asking stupid questions of the people around him, um, to to their great annoyance, because um, he was just there to be seen to be at the game, um, and he, he comes across like that. But he's been playing football all his life, like he, so he, he's actually going out of his way to to sort of appear to be like. You're sort of dumb. Oh, I like it when all the English teams do well in Europe, guy. Um, which, like, like that's going to lose him support among football fans if there's any that are on the fence of him. That's going to make him seem much less as like a likable, relatable guy. Maybe, it's actually... maybe it's because Arsenal have been tarnished yeah. by Corbyn, 
He literally is so scared to be seen as like Corbin in any way. I don't even think Corbin seems was mentioned be, yeah. in this fucking. This fucking he seems to be. He seems to be actually focus grouping content and statements to make about one of the main hobbies in his own life. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like me, like okay, no guys, care okay. a lot less about football. To please, what to say about football? Please, RP listeners, what is my favorite Bob Dylan album? I need to know so that I can uh, like to- triangulate our potential listenership. It's like he's looked at Corbyn and he's looked at the the eventual electoral failure of Corbynism in, in 2019 and the fact that he's very very unpopular with the people he's unpopular with and so on and he looked at that and he saw pedophiles why is this why has this come about why has this come about it's because he cares about allotments and and uh and and you know international <laughs> politics and uh and, and football and, and things like that because yeah. he because he speaks with passion about the causes that's why people hate corbyn um <laughs> and and i will never i will never speak with passion about anything as maybe a that is his passion maybe that is the thing that he feels passionately about he just really hates when people are passionate about shit he's, he's like can... calm down yeah. <laughs> like that's the only time he gets emotional about anything it's just like can you not moderate your emotions a bit uh like i mean so some more quick reactions i mean you got from patrick mcguire who possibly because of his book about how corbynism was colossally uniquely shit a book that i will say you know i enjoyed more than some uh he says host and guests succeed in drawing out the man or more accurately bloke often described by people lying in order to keep a job what Uh, that's not what he said he said friends but seldom seen in public uh and he said also more humane probing than spliffs and tears headlines may suggest so starmer's obviously asked about um recreational drug use because obviously he sent a lot of people to prison for it um and I believe that it's still Labour's policy under him that that should continue. And um, yeah, a lot of people for some reason were interpreting the questions about Starmer's recreational drug use as being about spliffs. I couldn't quite work that one out. Although I will say I wish I'd have had one of those before I watched this 45 <laughs> minute thing. I was going to watch it last night, but I would already got well and stoned and I was just kind of like... You know, I kind of want to watch the Blues Brothers instead. <laughs> so I only watched it today uh, before I got zooted. And yeah, that was probably 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 uh, made me uh, uh, made my temperament um, worse, <laughs> I'll say. Um, but I'm, try- I'm trying to think, has anybody else called Starmer yeah. a bloke prominently? Uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm looking at the one of the greatest ones to see if he's in this. But Paul War says it's the best mainstream primetime PR that Keir Starmer has ever had. He says he suspects a lot of the public will have seen what he's really like for the first time. And someone says Twitter feedback appears overwhelmingly positive, apart from rather predictably the far left of his own party. And Paul War says, <laughs> "I think he'll take that." It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, a you know probably just just a just a side note. The issue of Starmer deciding to burn down his own party and yeah, uh, and, and uh, completely abandon his initial pledge for party unity is uh, briefly brought up by Piers Morgan, although not dwelt 
upon as nothing is no. in this rapid fire um format but morgan is like so you said when you became leader that you were going to unite the party if anything it seemed more divided than ever what's that about a eh? and starmer says uh well uh i have to address certain issues like anti-semitism and then that's it like just because he said so, yeah. he, he, he says anti-semitism said the word, and it's like on. oh right okay cool right sorted literally yeah. it is just this like moral get out clause for any fucking shit that he wants to do <laughs> it's like the most like foul debased abuse of like a serious issue for yep. uh, political means like in our in our lifetimes uh, but yeah. yeah you know you're talking about other reaction to, to it right well it's actually uh brought one of the the big beasts of comment journalism uh back into the game ah uh mr just as a few hours ago, this dropped in the Guardian. Uh, Mister Mister Jonathan Jones, the world's oh, greatest oh, art critic. Um, yeah, and he's he's got the photo of you know the sort of you know Keir Starmer and some of his mates are students, and they kind of look like a vaguely new romantic band. Um, the yeah, the, the photo they showed in it. A poor man's photo. Tim Farron and the Voyeurs, aka Fred for Girl, if you ask. The me. vibe I get from it is fucking like Ricky Gervais's shit band that he was in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, he's done a piece, a whole piece on that photo. Sweet, sincere, and humanizing. Could Keir Starmer's oh so serious student picture win votes? Well, no, it couldn't. But the Labour leader's portrait from his Leeds University days reveals a young man with a vision. We might just appeal to that key electoral group, Joy Division Dads. <laughs> a vision, uh, an, uh, a, a joy. Uh, 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 you, you guys are listening to Joy Division, but me, I feel joy at Starmer's vision f- for the country. <laughs> <sighs> Thanks, Jack. Nailed it. <laughs> um, uh, some more quick reactions. There was some shite from Chris Bryant, if you can pull that up. But uh, I, I, I just think... want to get to the key paragraph in this oh, Jonathan okay. Jones thing. He's yeah, going Jonathan on and Jones. on about like what bands it evokes and so on. And... Mister, like most famous for like mm. the side by side tweet comparison of his like it is wrong to enjoy Soviet art because it was created <laughs> by suffering. And then his other one, which is like you know what Hitler did some banging paintings, yeah. mate. Uh, <laughs> right <Reifenstahl, laughs> yeah. great filmmaker of all time <laughs> Wagner greatest classical composer <laughs> like no, it, that wasn't it it was basically just like it's it okay to about enjoy like fascism being a, being yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a cultural golden age or some <laughs> grim shit uh, but yeah uh, so the conclusion he gets from his photos yeah the look in Starmer's eyes is sincere while the other boy is lost in a gloomy reverie the future politician has a fervent light in his eyes he may be all too aware of his look and his looks, but he also projects a romantic dream of some kind, nay, a vision. <laughs> Young Keir appears to believe in some big idea or better future. He can see it. Well, yeah, not anymore. I mean, if that was if that was when he was young, I mean, like yeah. he went wrong somewhere. Um, but yeah, the headline, yeah, could Keir Starmer's oh so serious student picture win votes and i mean it, it, no. if jonathan jones wasn't already uh, among the converted it sounds like it's one one some quick reactions you got lucy powell mp labor mp sort of from oh, right yeah, of yeah, the party yeah. says i thought keir starmer came across really well natural at ease someone of compassion with a pretty amazing career given his quite ordinary background too he's from fucking oxted did he Fuck not off ordinary did he not background promote- 
did, did he not promote her like a few weeks ago? He did indeed. Yeah. Yes, uh, his dad, his dad, the fucking tool factory empresario. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His his fucking ordinary background. I mean, one of the funniest things that Kia said actually uh, was he he summed up his three words that would define his Britain: pride, dignity, and change. <laughs> like dignity, something that's been sorely lacking. But I think that is kind it of like really a likes Deacon thing. Blue. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I you know, I'm very dignified. I wear a suit and have Richard Spencer haircut, blah blah blah. I'm dignified. You're not. You're a dirty little trot. Uh like that's kind of his thing, but uh, yeah, his dignity has I think been like falling apart recently uh with stunts like this and change you know but he he's really got into just like throwing around the word change as if change uk never happened you know just like here and where put a fucking hashtag on it (laughs) like anyway an account called sandy says vote conservative (laughs) union jack flag the word israel then an israeli flag at addict scrabble Uh, at the uh, politics for all account which I've said before I think is a very authoritative voice on the events of the day uh, with their own three Starmer keywords which are hopelessness anti-semitism and hindsight and I would have to say yes Sandy says vote conservative flag of United Kingdom Israel flag of Israel sadly (laughs) I agree that Mr Starmer is presiding over an institutionally anti-semitic party who are unfit for government and you know until this evil man is gone this one specific individual who is a uniquely bad person uh, I think that there can be no change in this regard Uh, although if he is gone then it will happen overnight and it will be a fine, fine to support the party again. Uh, but a- another MP from a right of the party, uh, Charlotte Nichols, um, says, By far the proudest moment of my life was my parents watching my maiden speech as the new Warrington North MP, watching Keir Starmer's hashtag life stories. I wonder if the Whip's office have been like, you got to use the hashtag for maximum engaging- engagement, yeah. guys. It's much more moving than I anticipated. But I think his mum narrowly missing out on that was the bit that really got me. So, uh, you know, another one possibly not. Mm. On the the bright side, like, Keir Starmer's mum never saw him, like, get uh, publicly exposed for race baiting. Um, (laughs) You know, so there's there's, there's swings and roundabouts situations. Yeah, did did she live long enough to see him, like, sell out all his professed principles? Which to be, I mean, to be fair, he'd he'd already done that before he got into Parliament, rather than immediately upon doing so. Um, so so uh, let's find what Chris Bryant said because he's uh, another a major shithead on the right of the party who had a very obsequious take on this. <laughs> Surely not, Chris Bryant, a man so stupid that when I used the Wayne Rooney, you want picking up in the morning, pal meme in response to him, he got very confused. And asked, <laughs> sorry, like, sorry, I've already got a lift plan. <laughs> who, who I was and, and where, where I was proposing to pick him up from. <laughs> I'll be, but, 
okay, this one is is a serious, like, real politic, uh, a bit of RP bait, one could say, <laughs> and it in multiple ways. Okay, so he says, a lot of us have always known that Keir Starmer was a decent, honest man, full of the milk of human oh. kindness. He's obviously run out of characters right. and had to spell human kindness as one word here. And passion for life and justice. Every interview he has done recently, including at Matt Ford and, <laughs> and hashtag life stories, goes to prove UK would be safer in his hands. <laughs> including at Matt Ford. Just shout out your Blairite mate. Like, just throw in a gratuitous Ford name drop. Ah, with his 2,000 book sales or whatever. <laughs> Shrieking Tin Man sent him that picture of Gapes just like melting in the sun. <laughs> Black Lives Matter, uh, I believe his name is Jack at a JRC. I don't believe he's Black Lives Matter on his birth certificate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, JRC1921 says embarrassing weirdo, which is one of the top rated comments in the replies yeah. to this. Um, Evergreen with that guy. Yeah, so so generally, like Chris Bryant getting some good. <laughs> uh, Ashok at Brosif Stalin simply replies with milk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, um, it's catching on. I think it caught on long ago. There's no going back now. Yeah. Gapes, Gapes has finally left some kind of an impact on politics. It's it took him <laughs> thirty years and literally not being a politician anymore, but he's done it. Any other major shit in this interview or any other, like, particularly good responses? I mean, I don't fucking know half the people who've been with Blue Ticks who've just been, like, cropping up saying what an amazing interview it was and how he came across as, like, the greatest guy ever to live. Uh, like, who the fuck is uh, Sebastian Salek? Uh, thought Starmer nailed it on life stories. Entertaining, engaging, and moving. Feels like the gamble paid off. I mean, yeah, that seems to be like what the line is like. Uh, uh, Rodney, uh, make a big deal of the Rodney thing, distract from the, the Keith issue, where's the birth certificate, Kia? Bloke, that's part of it. The gamble paid off, like he took a massive risk by doing this God. fucking like odious little like back slapping interview with one of the biggest pieces of shit in television. Yeah. <laughs> with, with, with Mr. Belter from, from Helen Pidd, you know, the, the friend of 20. Oh, of course, uh, yeah. In an era of politics obsessed with relatability, Starmer despising his middle name puts him firmly in man of the people territory. <laughs> Almost everyone hates theirs, she says. Um, do you hate your middle name, Garine? No, no. Uh, my middle name is, is David, but... At the same time, I'm glad it's not my name because there was a, a goalkeeper called David James who was famous for his cartoonish blunders. So, <laughs> cartoonish you know, that, that would have been... No, no, <laughs> like, that was very clear. Yeah, <laughs> Always yeah. getting this, into cartoonish blunders these this, days. This is a guy who like had the worst form of his career when, when you, uh, Liverpool were battling for the title once in 1997 and it was like, <laughs> yeah, I was playing too much N64, mate, too much Mario Kart. <laughs> I, I, I have two middle quite names. relatable, really. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I've got two. I've got uh, Peter and Mo yeah, much more relatable than Kier in mm -hmm. in any way. But yeah, I, I've got two middle names. Says Peter and Mark. 
both after uncles, one on my mum's side, one on my dad's side. And the, the only issue I really have with it is that two middle names and two fucking surnames. Yeah, that's, a bit, it's a lot a of names much. altogether. Exactly, like, yeah, that's yeah. it. And pl- plus from the fact that, like, you know, my name is technically John, so, you know, yeah, f- f- like, write the full thing There's... out. John, in, in, in quotation marks, Jack, Peter Mark, Frayne Reed. There's lads in Brazil with, with one name, and you've got about six or seven or some shit. Like, like Pele. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> think, think of poor Starving Pele. <laughs> so I, I, I know, I know the name of a footballer. <laughs> but um, so there's this whole article that Helen, Helen Pid, Helen Hid has written, uh, like getting in a load of stuff about only fools and horses. This is just like you know, sometimes a journalist will just you can see they're having fun. They've just they've just been like you know they've always been a fan of Only Fools and Horses for example and this is their chance to just shoot for shit about a show they like for a couple she likes of paragraphs. She dated episodes uh, in going off her over. A... <laughs> um, Rodney Uplonker, uh, she she quotes. Um, anyway, yeah. So now we found out that Keir Starmer is very relatable, and we'll all be voting for him. We all have a very positive opinion of him now. Yep. Watching that, we didn't before, obviously, but that has really converted us watching that interview. The ratings have come out, and they they seem to be not disastrous, but considerably less than the same episode of the same show that had Gemma Collins on it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What else did did Patrick Maguire say about that? He said Captain Tom got two point eight yeah. nine. Imagine how shit that would be. I mean, like you talk about Neil Kinnock barely being like. I would be word for word the same. Just <laughs> Captain Tom, just like uh, I like charity. <laughs> I walked around it by God. Like, like that would have been just absolute dog shit. Which such a shit, like such a boring life as well. Like, other, you know, but barely even, yeah. not even a real soldier stole valor, then like cheated on his wife, and that's like all I can think of. that's yeah. interesting about did Captain a lot of work Tom. at his local conservative club. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. Well, okay, that doesn't surprise me. But anyway, let's. Uh, in, you know, uh, the point yeah. is, he Captain Tom Most got two point eight nine million. The, the point is, most of the people watching the, the show with Keir Starmer are people that are already going to have a view on, on Keir Starmer, you know? Yeah. There's a, a third of the viewership of Coronation Street immediately before it, and there's not going to be a huge amount of, of overlap either. You can tell because the advertising profiles of the two shows were, were very different. Because um, well, I, I sort of caught the last couple of minutes before the, the, the programme started. Um, That's man. You know, it's, it's not going to... And all these articles saying, ah, actually, he was great, isn't it? Brilliant. You know, how relatable was he? They're all in the broadsheet press. Again, if you subscribe to one of those or if you visit their websites every day... I do. Probably... I do. I think they're great. I yeah, follow them religiously. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I do that as well. It's definitely not just like a, a Chrome extension that gets me around every paywall on the planet. Uh, <laughs> but, like... <laughs> It's preaching to the converted, and half the converted have soured on the guy uh, at best. The, best <laughs> the, the sour the, milk of human yeah. kindness. The, the best impact this will have now is it will sort of shore up some wavering Starmer supporters for a little bit longer, you know? Um, oh, yeah, he was quite nice on that. I, I, I was wavering, but I want him to win. That, that's not going to move the dial in any meaningful way uh, unless he starts getting everything else right, which is... You know, or very unlikely. Um, you know, I said yesterday, like if he'd done this like a month or two after becoming leader, it might have been a useful exercise at that point. 
because at that point a lot of people just didn't know him didn't really have an opinion on him and mm. those that did were sort of quite favorably disposed to him but maybe didn't know too much about the substance or, or saw him as like sort of competent but boring so maybe in that context like oh here's some stories about my life might have been humanizing at this point it's a, it's a year too late and it's just going to do nothing for him Whatsoever. Yeah, because like people like us who he's already made fucking hate him, we're just yeah. like, I don't care about your life, like, <laughs> fuck you, <laughs> like, so yeah, because like you know we've seen, we know about his tenure as DPP, we know about him suggesting that that fucking like autistic kid should be be uh, extradited to the US yeah. for doing some hacking, like we know what a fucking monster this guy is on a more minor scale than that last thing. We've seen the way that he's just fucked over people like Corbyn or Rebecca Long Bailey just like who were his friends a minute before that. We know that this guy is just like a, a, a just a, a psycho managerial, utterly professional, like robotic establishment suit. And his, pro he, you know, he can protest. You know, he's cried wolf too much, basically, with just his insincere shite. But if he tries to like, you know, even if he tries to communicate like something, oh, I like football, I like my wife, whatever, it just comes across as like completely like performative. Um, another another thing I just noticed, like browsing my Twitter profile to see what thoughts I tweeted, because I was just like fucking fuming, <laughs> typing this shit out. Yeah. I didn't even bother to do a fucking i did i did like a tweet like saying how much i hated it that had like 15 typos in it i was just like absolutely just um anyway yeah they said they, they, they said that uh his wife has to put up with a lot <laughs> they uh another thing that they said must have been a quote that somehow found its way to uh piers morgan i don't know from whom but i suspect perhaps one Tim Shipman, uh, a question about uh, whether or not Starmer is brimming with manly passion. So I, I think they, they were trying to, you know, play a little bit on the Shagger Starmer, Lothario <laughs> kind of uh, image that he's uh, created for himself over um, the, the last couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. Or earlier in his career, if you're to believe certain scurrilous <laughs> rumours that are unverified as yet... But I, I, I have heard also found their way to Tim Shipman. He, he also, uh, here's a quote, I have been Kia for some time. Now, some might say that's just a self-deprecating thing. That's just, a, it's a joke. That's clearly, you know, someone saying, oh, I have been, you know, who I am, what my name is for some time is, is obviously has the structure of a joke. I disagree. I think that it's a smoking gun. I think that he's <laughs> blowing the whistle, possibly inadvertently on the fact that, you know, the birth certificate that has never surfaced, in fact, says Keith, possibly even Rodney. Maybe, maybe yeah, they're you know they're Rodney hiding Keith. the conspiracy in plain sight. It's a double, it's a double cover up. Exactly, Keith's his middle name. Yeah, yeah, that that could well be it. Nothing is is out of the question here. Um, then, the, the, then there's a little bit about how uh, Starmer is mates with George Clooney because obviously he was uh, a peer in the legal community of uh, of Clooney's uh, Clooney's wife, Amal Clooney. Uh, I've forgotten her. Uh, maiden name but i believe she goes by clooney now anyway <laughs> there, there is actually an anecdote about how uh, a while back a tv or film crew wanted to do a documentary about amal Cl clooney pre-clooney and she wasn't interested she was like i'm i don't know about it but their their chambers where they worked said go to keir starmer he'd be up for it 
They went to Keir Starmer and they like sounded him out and interviewed him. They were just like, this cunt is so fucking boring, but we're not going to do it. It's, it's like a story about uh, Mick Jagger wrote an autobiography in the 80s and it was rejected for just being a boring load of shite that you could tell was written yeah. by an accountancy student from LSE. Um, and uh, <laughs> like um, that being Mick Jagger, not a just a particularly ignominious ghost writer <laughs> just, just for some reason intern, he went yeah. went to LSE just like hey you random maths nerd come and write my book <laughs> he was the nerd <laughs> um but anyway um they, they they basically talk about how uh Starmer is has apparently had dinner with George Clooney and they get into all this stuff you know it's like when Springsteen and Obama were talking about these like parties they've had where you know there's almost certainly like a big owl somewhere and you know all this kind of stuff and they're all wearing masks and uh it, it's kind of like that they're like oh yeah we've had you know george really gets going you know <laughs> when, when you know george usually does most of the talking and, and and it doesn't you know hearing that george clooney is personal friends with keir starmer really doesn't surprise me as someone who has been severely disappointed in the downturn in Clooney's output in the, the last few years. I think he was really consistent as an actor and even as a sort of like solidly mediocre director in the 2000s and maybe early 2010s. And then the last few years, you know, maybe part of it is for changing climate of the film industry, they're not being the kind of financing for the sort of films he wants to make. Maybe part of it is, uh, you know, the contentment of marriage. But I feel like Clooney has just become, he used to feel like a kind of left lib with certain like strong principles and stuff. Now he just feels like a generic establishment liberal. Uh, he never ended up making his uh, phone hacking scandal film because obviously I think he got fucked over by the, the news of the world uh, in some way. Um, mm -hmm. And he really wanted to uh, get back at them by adapting Nick Davis's hack attack. And that project never surfaced. And um, I think a lot of it was like it fell apart in the um, after the Sony hack when uh, Amy Pascal had to step right. down as head yeah. of Sony because she made all those racist jokes it's about Obama. Extremely dodgy racist jokes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, but basically, Obama, incidentally, friend of George Clooney, but uh, I don't know if Keir Starmer and him are on personal terms. I reckon Obama would still probably, you know, do what he always does, call up the leader of a conservative party and say, you know, I really hope you win the election. <laughs> but, um, but basically... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think part of it was that, you know, when a studio head leaves a studio, then certain projects always like fall to the wayside. Part of it was like that was a Pascal joint. But there were leaked emails, uh, thanks to the Sony hack, in fact, that showed that Amy Pascal was really, and other executives at Sony, they were really worried that they were going to piss off Rupert Murdoch and they were like telling... <laughs> Clooney, don't go too hard at Rupert Murdoch. And he was like, <laughs> he was literally, there was some email from him where he took a very admirable stance of like, I fucking hate Rupert Murdoch and I'll go, go as hard at him as I want. But um, yeah, he, that project never got made and his last few films have been quite uh, underwhelming and he's he, he barely ever stars in any films. I, I loved him in Hail Caesar. I thought that was really funny. But anyway, this is just a long tangent about George Clooney. <laughs> the point is that much like, you know, I love Bruce Springsteen. I knew he was a liberal, but just the fact that he's like so friendly with Obama just makes me just, just a little bit of respect for him kind of drop. It's just kind of like that with George Clooney. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, okay, he's friends with Keir Starmer. Yeah, this all makes sense now. <laughs>
One more quote from it. There's a bit where they start a sentence. If you can't be a cop, the least you can do is like, be director of public prosecutions, be the leader of the Labour Party. I mean, endless ways you could finish that sentence. Um, <laughs> okay, just one more obsequious client journalist. This is Paul Brand from ITV. He says, this is an incredible interview by Piers Morgan with Keir Starmer. Obviously, there's a bit of brand synergy here going on, a bit of corporate synergy, they're both ITV guys. Yeah. Keir Starmer breaking down in tears about the death of his mother with Stephen Stills' disease, wishing he could have told her, I love you. Rare to see this raw emotion in a politician. And it's just kind of like, there's certain moments where... You know, like condemning Corbyn over anti-Semitism was one of these things, but where if your job is to be a reporter, you could take a political stance. In this, like, the political stance is just like, Keir Starmer's a great bloke, he's left a really great impression <laughs> of me, but it wouldn't have been okay to really say that about Corbyn, you know? No, like, no. They, 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 when, when these reporters drop their sort of impartial voice and they let these, like, uh, subjective opinions that they personally hold... It's always like the most embarrassingly like gushing, gullible expressions of deference to authority figures, you know? Yep. It's like if you ever suspected that these people like, you know, you talk to them one on one, they secretly might believe some interesting things. No, they don't. They are to they don't <laughs> have minds of their own. Totally <laughs> they yeah. Uh, he says, he continues, Paul Brand, you sense, given this interview was done after Labour's disastrous election result in May, but Starmer's team just told him to go for it. <laughs> Let it all hang out. You know, well, he doesn't say that, but he says, be himself, wear his heart on his sleeve, high risk. You know, we saw that elsewhere from someone else, didn't we? The, rip, the gamble paid off. But with little high to risk, lose, you know? how the fuck was Piers Morgan just saying, so uh, you're a nice man, aren't you? Uh, you've, in, you've endured human suffering. Yes, I have, Piers. Uh, like, yeah, such, such Sometimes a Sometimes I've even caused it off. <laughs> you ruined it, Keith. <laughs> yeah. uh, he says, high risk, but with little to lose. <laughs> I think that's pretty true. Like, there was no way that fucking Pain Morgan is a mess. <laughs> I mean, we've seen Morgan's interviews with Trump. There was no way he wasn't going to softball an interview with fucking Starmer. But um, perhaps it will only help the public to connect him with him. Oh, oh, perhaps it will only uh, do the express thing that it's designed to do. So basically, he's just saying strategic gene uh, genius from Team Starmer uh, really resonated with me personally. Uh, this is my objective journalistic report on these events, you know. Um, but it, it's just kind of like, you know, when he says you sense that Starmer's team just told him to go for it, be himself, wear his heart on his sleeve. It just kind of feels like. Well, that's what the briefing said anyway. That's what it said about the interview in the TV guide. That's what Piers Morgan tweeted in advance about it, you know? Like, like it really did... You wouldn't need to have watched it to say that. You could have just, like, looked at what other journalists were saying. Yeah, it's... Just, I mean, a lot of the, the press reaction to it, I think, would have been identical, regardless of how well or how badly the, the programme actually went, you know? They'd almost got their lines beforehand. I was pretty horrified by his attack on the free press, but, you know, when he was like, 
And that goes for all you punks in the press that want to start shit by printing lies instead of the things we said. That means you, Andy Setcher at Hit Parader, Circus Magazine, Mick Wallach Rank. I don't even know if these people are alive. I don't know if these publications are still going, but he's clearly nursing a grievance. Yeah. Bob yeah. Guccione Jr. at Spin, what you pissed off because your dad gets more pussy than you. Oh, sorry, I misread Maybe that. Maybe it dates back that to That said Hugo Rifkind, not Bob Guccione Jr. Um... <laughs> Uh, fuck you, suck my fucking dick You'd be ripping off the fucking kids While they'd be paying their hard-earned money To read about the bands they want to know about Printing lies, starting controversy You want to antagonise me Antagonise me, motherfucker Get in the ring, motherfucker And I'll kick your bitch, you little ass Punk And then the most shocking bit of all is uh, In parentheses, guitar solo That shook me to the core when he said that To be honest, I don't know if I... Democratic institutions would be safe under the rule of this man. No, no, I think it's a chilling, uh, chilling threat to uh, one of the, the, the cornerstones of democracy. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was even more troubling, to be honest, when Morgan pressed him on his approach to criminal justice and he said, Torture, motherfucker. What? I'll fucking, I'll fucking, I'll fucking hang you by your fucking dick off the fucking 12 story building out this motherfucker. I'll fucking, I'll fucking sew your asshole closed and keep feeding you and feeding you and feeding you and feeding you. I mean, you know, I I knew about his uh, arguable complicity in torture as director of public prosecution, but to hear him put in such plain terms, you know, was was really something. Yeah, yeah. Finally setting out his policy store. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, that's that. That's been uh, the Keir Starmer fucking life stories with Piers Morgan. I mean, if you were taken in by this shit, you're an absolute sap. You deserve to be conned out of all your money at the next opportunity by a, a wallet inspector. Of, yep. You know, be it whether it's Keir Starmer himself or or, or some similar charlatan. Really, really unpleasant 45 minutes of uh, of television, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Just It was just, it, it both seemed like it lasted about 10 minutes because there was no substance to it and also seemed to drag on forever because it was fucking boring. Oh, yeah, it was so bad having to watch it on ITV Player. Oh, fuck, uh, I know, I know. Like, I've had to literally... sort that out so I can get it ready for all the football that's going to be on in the next month. And it's just <laughs> a an absolute shit of an app. I, I did look. I looked on the torrent sites. Not in there. Not, no one's in a rush to uh, get that Keir Starmer life stories out there to the masses uh, in a free, non-ad-laced form. Um, Imagine if it was going viral on the torrent sites, how conflicted would Starmer be? Like, getting the message out. <laughs> But it's illegal. <laughs> we need to arrest everybody who watched and especially enjoyed <laughs> this interview with me. Um, yeah, so I would say, uh, as I said on Twitter, all I'm doing at this point is rehashing my tweets. But yeah, a loser enterprise, clearly, with uh, no audience whatsoever. Yeah. Sad. Tragic. Well, you know, I think that's uh, I think that's pretty much us, you know. I think we've I think we've we've said our bit on Keir Starmer's appearance on Piers Morgan's life stories. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Blood Orange is from Ilford. What? You know the 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 singer-songwriter Blood Orange? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of kind of 
some some stuff more sort of alternative rock, some stuff more kind of R and B, and done some film scores under his own name and so on. Yeah, he's from Ilford. That's yeah, that's that's a, a hell of a juxtaposition there. Do, do you reckon he's got views on on Gapesy? Have to reach out to him, get him on the show, <laughs> get him to cameo in Gapecast as himself. <laughs> I, I know he's not a fan of the Guardian. You're gonna say I know he's not a fan of the Gape cast. I was like, shit, what's he been saying? <laughs> no. <laughs> They've anyway, been comment okay. this free thing. Uh, it's like his house burnt down, and I don't care. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's let's wrap this up then, and maybe we'll address some of the other pressing issues of of recent days uh, at a later date. Peace out, everyone. I was born in the desert.
it's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing. 